Hello, everybody, and welcome to Iceberg to Go, your daily dose of Pittsburgh Penguins news and analysis. You can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcasts from. The Penguins president and general manager, Kyle Dubas, has been mostly non-committal on whether or not he's going to buy or sell the trade deadline this season. It's been the biggest question on Penguins fans' minds over the last couple of months, mainly circling around Jake Gensel, but also on a secondary level, just around the team as it currently stands. But the Penguins, they continue to fall further and further behind the pack. They are 3-6-2 and two in their last 11 games, including a 5-4 overtime loss last night at the hands of division rival New York Islanders. And now, on top of all of that, we finally get our first real report of what Dubas's direction may be. According to TSN's Pierre Lebrun on Insider Trading, Kyle Dubas is listening in on everybody except the quote, and this was very much exclamated, core guys. Riley Smith was named as a potential trade candidate, so it appears that Dubis will be in sell mode to some extent over the next two weeks as we prepare for the trade deadline. So the question then becomes, in my eyes, who does Kyle Dubas consider to be the quote-unquote core guys for this team? Who is safe? Who is untouchable for the Penguins heading into the trade deadline? The first trade deadline that they have seemingly been 100% sellers in probably the entire Crosby era. Let's start there. The core has always been the big three. When you think about the Penguins core, you think about the big three. So the first three names are obvious and have been since 2006. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang. When you talk Penguins core, they're the first three names that immediately get slotted in. And a lot of people end it at that. A lot of people say that is the core. But when thinking about it from the perspective of the general manager, the core has to be larger. It has to be larger. You can't sell off everybody and listen on everybody except for three players, especially when you're a team that is in the middle of the pack and has been for this and last season. There have to be other players that you're structuring the future around. There have to be other players that are in your long-term plans so you have a direction going forward. So who else joins Crosby, Malkin, and Chris Letang as part of the Penguins' quote, core? I think the next name that you have to talk about is Eric Carlson. He's likely the fourth name on that list for Kyle Dubas. Fans, they might not tend to believe that. I put a poll out yesterday during the game. 61% of voters said, no, he's not part of the core. And 39% said, yes, he is part of the core. Here's where I stand on this. When you look at Carlson, the price tag for not only the trade, which is a first-round pick that is top 10 protected this year, but the contract as well, $10 million and a full no-move clause, make him part of the core pretty much instantly. The Penguins have too much invested in Eric Carlson and have not given him enough time to really acclimate for them to be putting him out there on the trade market or listening on trades for Eric Carlson. Now... I know a lot of people are slightly disappointed in what Eric Carlson has brought, and I think even Mike Sullivan earlier this week said that they believe he has another level to him, and they're trying to unlock that level. But when looking at Carlson through the team's first 53 games, his first 53 with the organization, he's basically been 
pretty much as expected. 39 points in 52 games, 7 goals, 32 assists. He's on pace for 60 points this season, which, yes, is less than a lot of people had hoped. I think I came in the ballpark of 70 to 80 would be what I expect. 80 and above would be above my expectations and very happy, and below 70 would be a little bit of a disappointment. So being on pace for 60 right now, yeah, it's a little bit of a disappointment. Part of that is the Penguins' power play is inept. I mean, I don't know how much further you can go into that. The Penguins' power play has been inept all season long, hence the reason they're ranked 30th in the National Hockey League. But taking a step back, looking at it from a broader perspective, Eric Carlson was brought in to be one of the best offensive defensemen the Penguins have seen in the Crosby era. And even with a disappointing 60-point season, he has been that. Because 60 points, if that is indeed where he finishes, would be the fifth highest scoring season by a defenseman in the Sidney Crosby era. Chris Letang had 68 in 2021-22. Letang also had 67 in 2015-16. Sergei Gonchar had 67 in 2006-2007. And then Gonchar had the fourth highest with 65 at 2007-2008. Right after those four seasons would be Eric Carlson in a down year at 60 points. So offensively, yeah, a little less than expected, but still one of the top offensive defensemen we've seen as far as performance through a season is concerned for the entirety of Sidney Crosby's career. Defensively, yeah, he's an adventure, but we knew he was going to be an adventure. Coming into this season, I don't think anybody could have seriously expected him to be a difference maker on the back end. He hasn't been. He was better at points than expected early in the season, I think especially when he wasn't really going out of his shell to to score on the offensive side. I thought he was much more responsible in the defensive zone. But as we've seen as the season has gone on, he's gotten more comfortable with his defense partners and he's gotten more, let's just say, problematic in his own zone. Last night was a key example. I thought he was very good in the offensive zone. He had made a couple enough of opportunities. He jumped into the play much more often, which I believe most of the Penguins defensemen looked to be jumping into the play much more often, but it was certainly at the expense of the defensive side. He was walked on the first goal. He had a horrible turnover on the third goal last night. So defensively, he's been an adventure, mostly bad, but there have been a couple of instances where you said that's better than we expected. The bar was low, but better than we expected. But at the end of the day, I think the closing point to this is Eric Carlson is most likely considered to be part of the core by the Penguins organization. Then I think there's three players that are kind of on the bubble there. Brian Rust is the last name that I'm mostly positive would be considered to be a core player in the eyes of the front office of the Penguins. He's been a consistent 20-goal, 50-point guy for the last five seasons. He's on track to do that again and would have been on track to have a much better season if he had not gotten injured. He was on pace to have his first 30-goal season by a mile before he got injured. So I, I still see him, somebody who consistently puts up 20 goals, consistently plays well in all facets of the game, power play, Penalty kill, he gets in on the forecheck, he's great on the back check, he's physical, he's fast. I think that he's a guy that when you're building a team, even if you're trying to deconstruct a little bit next season, he has to be part of that plan moving forward, especially when considering the status of another winger that we're going to talk about here in a couple minutes. Not to mention the fact that Brian Rust also has a no-movement clause for this and next season, so you would have to clear any trade through him, 
which would mitigate the amount of return that you would potentially get. So I think Brian Rust is safe, and I think that you could probably bank on that as he is part of the Penguins core. So now we're up to five, and I think that's when you start to say, okay, any more would be interesting, any less is probably unrealistic. Marcus Pedersen is going to be an intriguing name to watch over the next two weeks. I think he's on the bubble not because he's not good, obviously, but talent-wise, he should definitely be considered a core player. He's the Penguins' best defensive defenseman. He's the only guy that you can rely upon in his own zone night in and night out on this team. And if you're going to move forward with an attempt to get this team back to a playoff positioning, you're probably going to need Marcus Pedersen next year, especially when he's at a manageable cap hit at just over $4 million. But business-wise, he's one of the better pieces you have to offer. If other teams are calling, I guarantee you Marcus Pedersen is high on their list of players to ask about. Where do we draw the line? Where does Kyle Dubas draw the line? Do you want your best defensive defenseman moving forward? Do you think that you could go out and find somebody that replaces his production on the back end? I think it's going to be hard to do, especially for $4 million. I mean, just look, for example, they went out and got who was considered to be one of the top defensemen on the market last year in Ryan Graves, and you see how that's worked out. Sometimes there just isn't the right fit. And Marcus Pedersen has shown and built in this organization to be the right fit with Chris Letang. He had a rough night last night with Eric Carlson, but maybe they just need a little bit of time to get the chemistry together. It certainly didn't look good last night for Pedersen and Carlson, but I do think that I would lean towards putting him in the course simply because of the importance of that position, of the really lack of players that can actually play the position as well as Marcus Pedersen does on this team and in this organization. So, I would say Pedersen is probably safe. And then the last name I want to talk about, Tristan Jari is probably on this too. I'm not going to really talk about him all that much. But the last name I'm going to talk about is Jake Gensel. He would easily, 100%, be a part of the core nine times out of ten. But his contract situation makes it very difficult to pen him in. You could probably pencil him in but you can't put it in pen. You can't put it in permanent ink because will he resign with Pittsburgh? Will he come back to Pittsburgh knowing that they probably only have two or three years left before they blow it up completely and go into a full-on rebuild? Because two or three years down the road, Evgeny Malkin's probably looking at the retirement sign. Chris Letang is probably at the tail end of his career where it's actually being productive. Sidney Crosby will, I I mean, I'm not going to rule out Sidney Crosby being a really good player in two to three years, but is he going to be able to carry a team the way that he's carried a team this year? And you see how far that's gotten them. The question is, does Jake Gensel want to be a part of that? I'm not sure. It's all going to be based on where the conversations between Kyle Dubas and Jake Gensel's agent, Ben Hankinson go in the next two weeks. Does he feel comfortable enough with the framework of the deal that they have, even if they don't actually sign it in the next two weeks, does he feel comfortable enough in those conversations to move forward to say, we'll have Jake for the rest of the season and we'll try to re-sign him. And if not, you lose him for nothing in the off season. That's a tough pill to swallow. If you're the penguins, if you 
say that you're going to keep Gensel, that you want him to be part of your core, that you're not going to trade him away at the deadline just to lose him for nothing. That's a tough pill to swallow. That is a tough decision to make if you're Kyle Dubas. And that's why I would think that for this particular instance, for this particular trade deadline, Jake Gensel is not included in that list of untouchables for the Penguins. Is he, if he's under contract, he's part of the core. Yes, 100%. But he's not under contract next season. And he's going to make a heck of a lot more than the $6 million he's making against the cap right now. So that, to me, is the list. Crosby, Malkin, Latang, definitely. Carlson, definitely. Rust, definitely. Pedersen, I mean, I would say definitely based on the fact that you need him, but... Man, there's going to be people offering a whole lot of money for a shutdown defenseman heading into a playoff season, especially if they feel like they have a chance to win a cup. So when you look at it, the Penguins are slated to have around $15 million in salary cap space this summer. You'd have to imagine the plan going forward, especially into the trade deadline, is to increase that number as much as possible so they can turn over the roster as much as humanly possible. That's probably the top priority create cap space wipe the whiteboard clean as much as you can that way you can try to build something better for next season second to that accrue as many positive assets in return as possible it's all magic beans draft picks are magic beans prospects are magic beans but you're trying to accrue as many positive assets as possible the biggest asset though is going to be cap space 15 million as of right now that's with Jeff Carter coming off the books, a whole lot of league minimum players like Matthew Phillips and Colin White come off the books. So uh, Alex Nedeljkovic comes off the books, $1.5 million. So that's interesting. You might have to find another backup goaltender. It's going to be an intriguing two weeks, but expect the Penguins to be on the wrong side of the market for the first time in a very long time, according to Pierre Lebrun. But that's going to do it for this episode of Iceberg to Go. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And remember, you can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcasts from.